It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min as ever. I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing or congratulating, I guess, Unai Emery and Villarreal on their UEFA Europa League final victory over Manchester United. We're going to be touching on Manchester United a little bit as well. And we're going to be talking about Emi Buendia as well as a bit of Hector Bellerin, Andrea Pirlo, Maurizio Pochettino and Zinedine Zidane. Maybe a little bit of Martin Odegaard too. Jam-packed episode for you right now because the managerial merry-go-round is in full swing. Um, so yeah, let, let, let's kick off the show by talking a little bit about the Europa League final. Now, I've put the question in the title, were Arsenal right to, to sack Unai Emery? And I put that question in the title because a lot of people have been asking me the question over the last few hours. Uh, as soon as the final ended, I had messages from mates. I had uh, people sort of DMing me on Twitter. I had people replying to some of my tweets on Twitter and asking me the question, were Arsenal correct to have parted ways with Unai Emery? And my answer to that hasn't changed Arsenal were absolutely, categorically, 100% correct to part ways with Unai Emery because it wasn't working. It wasn't working out at the Emirates Stadium. I've said repeatedly, time and time again, that it was never personal with Unai Emery. It just didn't work. It didn't work out. And Unai Emery suits a certain style, suits a certain type of club, in my opinion. And Villarreal fit that bill absolutely perfectly. Had Arsenal gone into a final or gone into any game playing in the way that that Villarreal played yesterday. And I'm not knocking it because they won the competition. But had an Arsenal manager done that, it'd have been absolutely battered, absolutely slated, criticised for the approach. Had an Arsenal manager taken off one of his forwards and brought on a defensive midfielder with just an hour gone when they were level, again, he'd have been absolutely battered by the supporters. So... You know, it's just a different thing. It's a different profile. And Unai Emery fits that Villarreal profile uh, brilliantly. He, as a tactician, is is very good. You know, we always thought that at Arsenal. And I think that, and I said it at the time, and I'll, I'll repeat it again, but I think that Unai Emery, when he came to the Emirates Stadium, suffered a bit of an identity crisis. He didn't know whether to stick with the pragmatic ways in which he'd managed in the past or to to kind of loosen the shackles a little bit, to kind of meet the demands of not just the supporters, but of the club and of the brand and, and of what Arsenal represented. You follow on from Arsene Wenger and you play a negative style of football, you know what's coming, a barrage of criticism. So for, for Unai Emery, I think when he did come in at Arsenal, he was caught in two minds. He suffered a bit of an identity crisis, didn't really know whether he should be trying to open us up Um or, or, or trying to follow on from the style of football that Arsene Wenger had implemented 
over many years, or if he'd have been better served by completely tightening things up. And in the end, he did neither of those two things. And that's why ultimately it didn't work out. Communication was a big issue. And whenever I bring up the communication point, the kind of common thing is, well, oh, yeah, but you can't speak Spanish or, you know, Marcelo Bielsa uh, has done a fantastic job at, at Leeds without actually speaking English. There's a few fundamental differences. And, and the fundamental difference between Marcelo Bielsa and Unai Emery is that Marcelo Bielsa uses a translator to get his points across, which means there is greater clarity in his messages when putting those across to the players than probably what Unai Emery was able to do during his time um, at the club. But also, you know, saying that somebody's lack of being able to speak in a language is not racist. It's not uh, prejudice. It's not having a go at that person. It's just the reality. You know, put me to do this job in Spanish and I wouldn't be able to do it. I'd look like an idiot. That's not because I'm a bad person or not because people don't like me. It would be, if people were criticizing me for that, it would be purely them criticizing my knowledge and my ability to speak in that chosen language. And so when people talk about Emery's inability to communicate effectively, which whatever you say at the highest level for a manager is incredibly important, not just in terms of conveying the messages to your players, but in terms of being able to handle the press, in terms of being able to earn the trust of your supporters by sending over your message. You know, that is so, so important. It's not it's not racist to say that Unai Emery couldn't speak English very well. It, 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 that's the reality. It's not poking fun at Unai Emery when you make a, a good evening joke, you know, some people do it with a, with a malicious intent. Most people do it in the same way that they talk about Claudio Ranieri and they say dilly ding, dilly dong. You know, it's just, it's a catchphrase that came off the back of Unai Emery's tenure at Arsenal. And it's meant by most people and the majority of people tongue in cheek. There will be others out there who take it over the line and they absolutely shouldn't because that's not what we're talking about here. But you know, Unai Emery's inability, I think, to communicate in English was a problem for him during his time at Arsenal. Not the only problem and not even the biggest problem, but it was a problem. Uh, problems very similar to the one that Unai Emery experienced when he was in France, where he faced many of the same challenges. Um, in terms of Emery as a, as a tactician, you know, I think he's got strengths and I think his strengths lay in picking the side that is not necessarily the favourites, is not necessarily the side who upon which the onus is to go out and win the game. And I thought you saw that yesterday. The onus was on Manchester United to go out there to break down a very stubborn Villarreal side. Villarreal had their opportunity. It fell to Gerard Moreno. And who else would you want it to fall to, given his form this season? And he took full advantage and gave Villarreal the lead and gave them something to hold on to. So in that sense, it worked out really, really well for Unai Emery's side. And they were able to remain compact and, and not offer a great deal on the attack, um, you know, and and get away with it, essentially. Went to the penalty kicks and they, you know, they held their nerve. They got over the line. Congratulations to them. Delighted, actually, for Geronimo Rulli that he, you know, he scored his penalty and then saved David De Gea's because he'd come so close, so agonisingly close 
to saving a number of Manchester United's penalty kicks. So it was great to see him actually uh, deliver in the end. So just to round up on, on the Emery stuff, you know, congratulations to him. Congratulations to Villarreal. I'm delighted that they won the Europa League. I'm delighted that they beat Manchester United in the final as an Arsenal fan. What more could you ask for? With Unai Emery, and I know a lot of people don't believe me when I say this, but I have said it on a few occasions. It was never personal. I just never felt he was the right man for the Arsenal job. He's found a home again at Villarreal, an environment in which he will be allowed to do his job the way he wants to do it without the pressures that come of managing the club, uh, a club the size of Arsenal. So congratulations to Unai Emery uh, on that. Genuinely chuffed for him, was genuinely pleased uh, to see him win and to see him his post-match and, and him remain classy as ever. You could never knock him for that. I just didn't feel he was the right man. So were Arsenal right to move him on? Were Arsenal right to sack him? Yes, they absolutely were. Last night doesn't change that, but you can still be delighted and, and pleased and happy for Unai Emery at the same time. And especially when he pulls it off against Manchester United. What more could you possibly want? Let's quickly touch on the futures of a couple of players that Arsenal are being linked with uh, for transfers this summer. I'm not going to go into it in too much detail because our second show today will be solely based around transfers. Uh, so I'll save the majority of the, the transfer talk for then. Uh, but Emi Buendia, in what we're hearing, is apparently waiting for an offer from Arsenal. I uh, don't know how true that is, but that's what the latest reports are saying, that Emi Buendia is 100% interested and on board with a potential move to the Emirates Stadium. But the question is, will that offer that Emi Buendia is said to be anticipating actually come? And if it does come, will it meet what Norwich feel that the uh, the player is worth? We're going to have to wait and see on that. Uh, Martin Odegaard, who's another player that has obviously this time spent time at Arsenal, uh, but he's being linked with a permanent transfer to North London this summer. His situation is a little bit up in the air. We knew that Real Madrid had been saying, at least publicly, that they wanted to keep hold of Erdogan. Uh, we knew that they were you know, going to play hardball and we knew that they were going to be uh, incredibly uh, keen to get as much money as they possibly could for the Norwegian in order to fund any other deals. We also know that in Madrid, at Real in particular, the president has the biggest say over transfers rather than the manager. But I just wonder if the news regarding Zinedine Zidane, who it's been confirmed by Real Madrid today, has left his position as manager of the club. I wonder if that will have an impact on Martin Odegaard's future. I wonder if the incoming manager will want to keep him and that makes it impossible for Arsenal to sign him. I don't know. We're going to have to see how all of that develops. But there is a managerial merry-go-round going on at the moment. Um, so Zidane has left Real Madrid and we think that Antonio Conte may uh, be interested in that position. We've heard that Maximiliano Allegri is being lined up by Juventus and could sign a contract to return to the club within 24 hours, in which case Andrea Pirlo will be out on his ass, sacked. We're also hearing that Tottenham have gone after Maurizio Pochettino. They've gone back to the Argentine with their tails between their legs over the possibility of Maurizio Pochettino leaving his post in Paris to come back and manage Tottenham. It's said that Maurizio Pochettino hasn't really settled at his new club and would be interested 
in a move back to North London. Wow. Um, that one's come out of nowhere. I've got to be honest. So the managerial merry-go-round is clearly going round at the moment and there could be uh, some real movement in terms of the managerial markets. I talked a little bit yesterday about Antonio Conte and why I thought Arsenal should at least be sounding him out, should at least be making an effort to understand what Antonio Conte is after in terms of his next job. Because in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of most people, Antonio Conte, probably more so than a lot of these managers that I've mentioned just now, uh, would be a huge upgrade. I think some they they all would be an upgrade on, on an inexperienced Mikel Arteta. But I think in Conte's case in particular, he is someone who would certainly turn the team's fortunes around and quickly. So, you know, I think it would be negligent on the club's part if Antonio Conte was not at least sounded out. I'm not saying that we're going to sign him. I'm not saying that we can sign him. But I do think Arsenal need to be keeping their eyes peeled because things are not quite going to plan at the moment under Mikel Arteta. And whether you back him or not, and I do, and I support him, and I think that he will be the manager next season. And the minute that first whistle goes, I'll be at the Emirates Stadium, hopefully behind Mikel Arteta, supporting him, urging his team on. And I'm not a big advocate of managerial changes during the season. So if he starts the season, I'll back him all the way unless things become untenable, of course. But the point here is you have to always be looking to better yourselves. And there is no way, regardless of what the, the official message is and regardless of what the noises are telling us coming out from the club, there can be no way that if the Cronkies do care about Arsenal as a football team, if the Cronkies do care about the future of the club, that they can be completely, totally and utterly satisfied with with where they find themselves now, with where the club find themselves, without European football for the first time in 26 years. Eighth in the Premier League table, a second consecutive eighth place finish. It's not good enough. It's not acceptable. There are other reasons for that. And those reasons probably have to be taken into account. But the point I'm making is if you're not completely satisfied, which you can't be given Arsenal's current position with how things have gone, how can you completely rule out and close the door on available managers who most of us would be pretty certain would be upgrades on the guy we've currently got? That's the reality. You know, that that is the reality. You've got to be honest. It's football. It's a ruthless business. Whether you like Mikel Arteta or not, if, if Antonio Conte comes knocking at the door and says, you know what, I've been sounded out. I quite fancy the Arsenal job. How could you how could you sit there and go, no, we'd rather keep Mikel Arteta. We want to finish eighth again. Um, you know, and I'm not saying Mikel Arteta wants to finish eighth and, and all of that. You, you get what I'm saying, though. The point is here that he's not done so well that he's completely bought himself more time because he hasn't, you know, and I think other clubs more ruthless clubs, more ruthless owners, more involved owners would have probably already made the move to make the change. So that's all I'm saying. With all these top managers becoming available, Arsenal have to at least be keeping one eye on what happens, at least be sounding people out in the event that one of them is interested 
and in which case you make the move put loyalty aside you make the move you get your man and you improve your team instantly which is what we all as arsenal fans want let me know your questions get your questions get your thoughts in the live chat box i'd love to hear from you guys for the last 10, 15 minutes of the stream. Uh, if you haven't done so already, please do smash the like button. It really, really does help. I can see right now um, there is over a hundred of you watching us. Um, let me just check in on the likes. Uh, there's 31 likes. Come on, let's get that up. Uh, let's get that up to at least 75. I think that's a respectable number. Uh, so yeah, smash the like button if you haven't done so already. Subscribe to the channel if you're new as well. And if you're interested in supporting the podcast, you can do so by becoming a member. Next bit of members content, which is who should we keep and who should we sell? Uh, this time on the midfield is going to drop tomorrow afternoon. So Friday afternoon, that one will be available. So get um, uh, get involved in that if you want to, uh, or get involved in the membership, sorry, if you want to have access to that. Right, let's go over to the questions. Let's go over to the comments. Bear with me just a second. Graham Sutherland says, uh, Arteta's going nowhere, Harry. He needs one more season and then there are no excuses. KSE will not invest to that level that the big managers will want. Yeah, um, you know, maybe they won't. But I guess, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm really angry with KSE. Maybe it's because I'm really frustrated by them that I'm kind of at this point now where it's like, well, Arsene Wenger didn't want to call him out. Unai Emery didn't want to call him out. Mikel Arteta doesn't want to call him out. So I'd actually quite like someone to come in and just at some point or another go, you know what? F it. These lot are the problem. This is the reason why we're not... And someone to really increase the heat and the pressure on them I know people will argue, well, they'll just sack him and get someone else, get more of a yes man. But it would really, I think, if a manager, if a manager of this football team was to publicly face up and say, I've tried to do this, I've tried to do that, and the ownership haven't backed me, haven't allowed me to do it, I think that really galvanises the fans, even more so than they already galvanised and, and really adds momentum and fuel to the fire with regards to the protests about KSE. So I'm kind of at that point now where I'd quite like somebody to do that. And I don't think Mikel Arteta will do that. Not because I don't think he's got bottle, um, but because, because I think he's a man of principle and, and quite values that kind of side of things. Antonio Conte doesn't. He's shown it before. Um, Ray Anderson says, uh, Harry, would you call your boss out? Uh, Ebby Vander, along the same lines, you'll get sacked if you do that. Yeah, but Antonio Conte doesn't give a shit because Antonio Conte's stock is up here. He's just delivered Inter's first Scudetto in over a decade. He's won titles everywhere he's been. He's won trophies everywhere he's been. His methods are proven to work. Players want to play under him because he brings success. And so if Antonio Conte was sacked by a football club for calling them out, which is, this happened to him before, by the way, he will get another job because he's Antonio Conte and because he's got 
a career behind him that proves he is elite as a manager. You look at somebody like Mikel Arteta, he can't do that. He's not in that position. You know, Antonio Conte, let's, let's make no bones about it. Why has he left Inter now? He's left Inter because he's been told that he can't do the transfer business that he wants to do in the summer. He's left Inter because he's been told that he has to sell some of his assets because of a deficit, because Inter are desperate to raise around about 80 to 100 million euros. Antonio Conte, if he was to come in, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if he was, has enough credit in the bank based on his previous managerial career, a bit like Mourinho used to, to be able to cause his owners problems and to say it how it is. And Antonio Conte, the guy's a madman. The guy's a madman. If he's angry and embroiled in the emotion, he would not for, for a second hesitate in saying what he wants to say because he, um, you know, because he fears for what might happen to him later down the line. So honestly, that, that that's that's how I feel about that. Uh, let's see what else you've got in the chat box in terms of your questions, in terms of your thoughts. Uh, T says, uh, Zidane to Arsenal, Harry. Zidane is somebody I'm less convinced about as a manager. And I know on the surface of it, that probably sounds a bit stupid because he's won three Champions Leagues. He's won two La Liga titles. But I think that Real Madrid won those trophies partly down to Zinedine Zidane, but largely down to the talented group that they had. And so I'm not sure that this kind of job is one that Zinedine Zidane would thrive in. I, I always go back to Conte because he's gone to teams like Chelsea at one point who were without Champions League football and bang, made it happen straight away. Because I think tactically he's at a higher level than Zinedine Zidane. And if your players aren't as good, then tactically you need to be able to bridge that gap between yourselves and those that you're chasing. And Antonio Conte, in my opinion, is capable capable of doing that. Zinedine Zidane, I'm not saying he's a bad manager, not for any, you know, I'm not saying that. But, you know, I just, um, I just think it's, uh, it's, um, it, he's a different kettle of fish and, and not the one I'd be after if I'm one about. Brad says uh, Rafa would be his choice. It's difficult, isn't it? Because I talked a little bit yesterday about, you know, the need for probably a bit of a longer term overhaul here at the Emirates Stadium where we're going to have to go through a bit of pain to weed out all the problems. But equally, you know, you got, would it be papering over the cracks if Arsenal were to qualify for the Champions, would have qualified for the Champions League this season? Or would it have been the fixing of the problem, i.e. the club would have been back on a level playing field with its competitors in terms of finance, in terms of being able to attract players and in terms of getting back to where they wanted to be. Uh, that's the thing you got to kind of decide. Do you feel like the problems run so deep at Arsenal that they need uh, a slow and steady and calculated fix? Or do you feel like football is something that can turn around quite quickly and quite easily? And so bringing in a manager, more experienced, the manager who would bring you an uplifting results immediately would be enough. That that's the decision you've got to make as as fans before you decide who the right approach who the right manager is and what the right approach is. 
And again, I'm I'm only talking a lot about managers because of the, as I say, the managerial merry-go-round and all that's going on in the world of football at the moment with regards to managers. But I don't believe that Mikel Arteta is going to be sacked between now and the start of the season, not for a second. I do, however, think he'll be under incredible pressure when the season kicks off next time around because for all the excuses, for all the things that were out of Mikel Arteta's control, he's not done enough um, on the balance of this season to convince that he is completely and utterly deserving of being given another full season in charge. So let's see uh, how it goes. Let's see, you know, maybe the club will be proved to be right in the long term. And I hope they are because I like Mikel Arteta and I do bloody want him to succeed. Or will the fan opinion, which seems to be the majority of whom are now feeling as though maybe not they're at the point where he needs to be sacked. I'm not at the point where he needs to be sacked right now, but we're at the point where we're asking questions around whether or not this was the right appointment. The honeymoon period is over. The leeway's been given. Now it's down to business and um, and Arsenal need to start progressing. They need to. Right. Uh, just a quick reminder that this show is brought to you by Manscaped.com. So if you're interested in some male grooming products, if you're looking to address uh, the Fengorn Forest down below, uh, then please do check out manscaped.com for all their fantastic products and for all your male grooming needs. You can enter our discount code, which is 19min20, and you'll get free shipping as well as 20% off of your total order. So you can stand to save yourself a fair chunk of money. As I said, I'm going to be back uh, a little bit later on today. I'll be first thing tomorrow morning for those of you listening via the audio platforms uh, with another show in which we're going to be discussing some of the latest Arsenal transfer news. Uh, So be sure to come and join me for that. And I'll take all your questions and thoughts on that one too. And until then, uh, take care. I'll catch you all later. Ciao for now. Bye-bye. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.